coming off the tournament, it was like, it was great because I had a lot of positives, but I'm like, it was Jake Herbert. I got to give him a shout out. He gave me a great saying. He was like grateful, but not satisfied. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. It's your host, Ryan Warner, coming to you from Chicago IL. Getting you our Monday episode a little bit later today, but it's for good reason. We have Miles Amin on the show. Miles recently won a bronze medal at the 2023 World Championships, which qualified him for the Paris Olympics next August. Miles is a past Olympic bronze medalist, five-time All-American for Michigan, if you're counting. He's been on the podcast before, episode 359, as well as episode 440, and I can't wait to bring you this interview with the great Miles Amin. Hope you enjoy it. Fan of the week goes to our friend Food Chain 76. A recent Apple podcast review left a five-star review that said best podcast out there. Love listening to the podcast. So much insight and knowledge shared each week. Really appreciate that. Food Chain 76. If you haven't left a review yet and you listen to this podcast, leave us an Apple review or if you're listening on Spotify, Go ahead and rate the show. It does a lot to bubble up this podcast to wrestling fans just like you. We've also really ramped up our content on Instagram. So if you're on Instagram, check us out at Wrestling Change My Life. We post clips from all these interviews on our Instagram at Wrestling Change My Life. So without further ado, folks, let's give it up for the great Miles Amin. Just a quick word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back to this episode. We have a new sponsor today, folks, and it's the Wrestling Consultant. With over 20 years of college coaching experience, the Wrestling Consultant, ran by Teague Moore, NCAA champ for Oklahoma State, recent podcast guest. Teague Moore is here to help you understand the college recruiting process. So if you're looking at D1, D2, D3, NAI, or JUCO, Teague has the knowledge to help narrow the options from coaches academic fields of interest, or geographic location. With over 450 programs for men and 100 for women, the Wrestling Consultant is here to help you find the right program for your future. If you or your parent wants to speak to the Wrestling Consultant, go to the wrestlingconsultant.com. Now back to this episode. 
All right, Miles Amin, welcome back to the podcast. Recurring guest. Pleasure to be here. I just said the third time's a charm, so might make it the best one yet right here. Well, man, you keep meddling at world tournaments, man. We're going to have to have you on all the time because it's it's insane to watch – just how uh, it's just so fun to watch you compete, man. And first of all, just congrats on the uh, yet another world medal. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, you know, just it's exciting to compete. It's a good time, you know, now to be qualified for the Paris Olympics. So now I'm uh, we're ready to kick it into full gear here pretty soon. <laughs> They're probably building statues of you in San Marino, two time Olympian. You like the mayor when you go over there? Um, not yet. Not yet. You know, I think, uh, we set the bar pretty high last Olympics, you know, winning, winning their first medals. So or rightfully so, you know, they're like, they expect a lot out of me. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's a great relationship. We, we, uh, you know, as a small country, that's part of the cool thing is like, you know, everybody there kind of recognizes you or, you know, knows you and it's just very welcoming, you know, great culture. Yeah, I was looking it up this morning, just getting ready for the show. And so what San Marino is like basically right next to Italy, um, super small, but a long history. What's what's the uh, tradition and like the history of San Marino again? So it's I, I, I've become an expert at explaining this, you know, <laughs> by, by now <laughs> um, it's it's actually so it's an independent republic landlocked in Italy. So it's it's literally with surrounded by Italian borders. Um and it's not really borders. I mean, you can you can drive right in. <laughs> um, a lot of people in Italy or in San Marino are actually dual citizens of Italy, so they share a lot of similar you know cultural aspects. The food is very similar. Um, you know, just the the lifestyle. Um, actually, it's in a region of Italy called Emilia Romagna. So it's like um, you know, a major city in there is Bologna, um, kind of in that the heart mm-hmm. of Italy. If you'd like look at it on a map, um, and it shares a lot of culture or similar cultural aspects to just that region of Italy. Um, but I will say that when it comes to your nationality, it's very clear that, you know, they don't call themselves Italians like you're Serenese. Um, And I think that that just comes from the fact that it's one of the oldest independent republics in the world. So a lot of those people, right. They, they, I don't know if it was fighting to, to keep their independence um, because, you know, very small country, right? Like, you know, 33,000 people, um, but they found a way for that long to to remain independent, you know, since uh, almost, I think, 1700 years, you know, around 300 AD. So um, wow. it's, it's a big deal to call yourself Sam Renee's. Yeah, that's a long, long time. So, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, they survived some some pretty major world events, right, as far as, you know, some <laughs> some of the major conquests, conquering even World War II, right? Um, you know, they came into San Marino when, when it was independent, uh, when Mussolini was kind of running the show in Italy. And, um, you know, they negotiated to basically just like <laughs> to basically run as a or, you know, kind of run as their their independent state, but to follow kind mm-hmm. of the plan that Italy was had in place. And so they got away with like, whoa, 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 we'll, 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 you know, we'll appoint somebody in San Marino to kind of, you know, keep everyone in check. Is it Catholic, Protestant, so crazy history, Muslim, or is it, what is it? Um, yeah, it's mostly, um, it's mostly Catholic. Um, it's a very Christian 
um, driven state or country. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's the majority. It's very similar to, to Italy in that sense, you know, as okay. far as their. And politically, I, I think that they've they've flip flopped around or flip flopped around as far as like more like socialist state to, you know, the democratic capitalist. I think that's where more so um, I couldn't tell you at this exact day, because another thing that's super interesting <laughs> and, um, you know, people will probably be kind of flabbergasted by this is that every six months they change their their president. So it's called the, the Capita Regenti. And it's like basically the the head, there's two people that are appointed every six months to basically <laughs> run the show and say, wow. and so it's crazy because most people are like, how can you get anything done in six months? But, <laughs> um, you know, I'm not super into politics, but it's just that that was fascinating That's to me. That's very that, fascinating. You know, because even in my time there, I've got to shake the hand of like multiple different, you know, what we would compare to as presidents. Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah. It's like, I mean, everyone knows of, of Italy, obviously, and it's a, a great place to go, but man, I might have to add San Reno to the list. It's a nice little spot to check out. Yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, you're, you're talking uh, an old kind of like a medieval vibe where it's a, up in the mountain to like the whole city is built upon the mountain. And I mean, there's um, one of the most historic things about it is they have this, this thing called the Tremonti, which is, um, basically like three almost castle-like figures that are built upon the um, the mountain. So they, they kind of were the, the old lookouts or, you know, the old mm-hmm. like uh, stronghold points. And so those kind of are, are built within the city. Um, so you get like, you go there and, and you, you can go there for as long as you want. I would say you can make even a day trip out of it because it's, it's not the biggest country, but just to see the, the city, like I said, it's called La Chita, the city, literally. Um, and it um it's beautiful. I mean, the views that you get, you can see the the Adriatic Sea from from up in the, the top of the city, which is about you know 20 miles um east. But you you get up there and you can just see the Tuscan, the Tuscan landscape, because that's kind of where Italy is also centered kind of in the Tuscan region of Italy. Mm-hmm. So you see like, you know, the beautiful hills with all the vineyards and you know, houses built upon the hills. It's a pretty cool. I mean, I, I've I've been a lot of places, and it's still it's still dang near at the top of the list for you know just the views and kind of the the aesthetic of it. Wow, sounds like a great place and definitely something to check out. I love I love history, so all that stuff is like right up my alley, man. Yeah, yeah, it's a very historical place. Like I said, you know, one of the, the oldest independent republic in the world. So. <laughs> yeah i mean that's in, that's it's a, it's kind of that's a big deal and i it's cool to see like yeah. you know going back to tokyo you were their flag bearer man like that is such an honor and uh man and then to go on and get a medal with all that pressure it's like phew, unbelievable and i know uh uh last worlds didn't go how you wanted so for you to come back and rebound this year and get a medal in the olympic year that had to feel good man give us your thoughts on the on the world's um, you know, it's funny when we were, when you reached out to me about, uh, you know, doing this conversation, I think, I don't remember exactly when we talked, but I think that you know, I, was it was in Europeans or like before Europeans or something this year. Mm-hmm. I think we talked earlier this year, but it was funny because I was just thinking about where I was at in the beginning of the year and then kind of where, you know, where I'm at now, like how far I've come. And I think that, um, you know, 
I might've mentioned on the podcast before, but there was just something I needed to kind of reset, kind of get figured out and um, kind of get back to my old ways of, you know, what, where I was, my, my mindset was, where my training was. Um, and it was a process, you know, leading up, I look at the beginning of this year, um, you know, I had some, even, even kind of getting off the world championships last year, I was in like a six month rut where, you know, I went to the worlds. I didn't have the performance I wanted. I went to the Bill Farrell, you know, and I, I, I thought like, you know, this is a good, this is a good bounce back tournament. Like, you know, it's, it's, a get not, right it's tournament. not that it's easy, but <laughs> it's a get right tournament. Right. I mean, you're going to have maybe one or two tough matches, but ultimately I was going in there think, you know, maybe a little bit too overconfident that like I can, I can win this tournament. And I get upset by, you know, some guy from Ukraine that I, I hadn't heard of, you know, before. And then go to the first ranking tournament and, um, you know, deal with just some small injuries and stuff, but fought through it. And I get pinned for the first time. And like, I don't even, I didn't get pinned in high school. So it had to be the first time in like eight to 10 years. And uh, by a guy from Japan, right. He, you know, foot sweeps me down and just catches me off guard and don't even end up placing at that tournament. So then it's just like, you know, I had to kind of have a heart to heart with myself and, you know, hit the reset button and say like, what, what, what do I need to do to just get out of this? Cause right now, whatever's, whatever I'm doing is not working, you know, and maybe it's just a, a mindset thing. Maybe it's a training thing, but you know, I, I, I really was intentional about my training process moving forward from there and making sure that I had to remind myself, you know, my coaches can help me, my, you know, my, my support system can help me, but ultimately like, I gotta, I gotta take a little bit more responsibility here to say like, we, you know, <laughs> this is on you, mom. I was like, if you, if you still love doing this, like you got to figure this out. And um, just made the right adjustments. And I knew, I think a lot of it was just kind of like putting less pressure on myself and just kind of having a little bit more faith and, you know, in God and in the process, um, just like doing the right, right things and, and saying like, Hey, as long as the process, you know, me, the training process, the the preparation is there, like I can surrender the outcome for the results. And that was really a big part of this year was just like, have fun with, you know, the training process Just every day you show up, like just make it, make it fun. Even if it's a grind, like you find something fun in that grind. And, um, and uh, you know, I'm making a short story long here. No, but, no, please. This is um, great. you know, that, you know, that really just this kind of upward trajectory from the start of the year to, you know, where I ended up in September. Um, you know, I, I had a great tournament. The Europeans little, fell a little short, but I just kept taking away positives instead of looking at all the negatives. Um, and then I went to, you know, the ranking in July and get an upset of the guy that beat me in the European finals. And I'm like, okay, you know, this whole thing's starting to come together, you know, and, and I always tell myself, like, you know, it's kind of a little saying, like, I'm the best when it matters most. And um, that's what, you know, my big motto going into the world was like, regardless of the training, like I'm going to rise to the occasion here. Um, and, you know, coming off the tournament, it was like, it was great because I had a lot of positives, but I'm like, you know, I think it was, uh, it was Jake Herbert. I got to give him a shout out. He gave me a great saying. He was like grateful, but not satisfied, you know? Mm. And that was really how I feel right now. It's like, I'm so grateful. You know, I got a world bronze medal, you know, my first medal, um, at a world tournament, uh, qualified for the Olympics. But ultimately, it's like, you know, the, the whole reason I'm still in this thing is because, you know, I want I want a gold medal and whether it's a world gold, Olympic gold. But, 
you know, I, I want to shoot for the top. And so it's like, you know, it's back to the drawing board from here on, but I'm just, I'm, I'm very grateful. And I've had so much fun in these past six months, just kind of pushing, uh, you know, for this world tournament that, you know, so I'm energized and ready to, to, you know, kind of figure out this, this next cycle. And, you know, now it's like an Olympic year. It's like, <laughs> I felt the same way a lot of the times in wrestling where I would have ruts in like the middle of the season. Right. But then as soon as the NCAA, it's almost like that excitement comes and you're like, it's easy to be motivated. So I'm excited that now it's like, there's a, there's a, there's a target, <laughs> you know, there's, there's an end goal in mind for sure. And that makes it that much easier to show up, like I said, every day and just get after it. Well, almost anyone who's been to the Olympics and had success, they've either won the gold or won a medal. That's such a high that getting up for something after that can be such a challenge. And people call it the post-Olympic blues. Um, even David Taylor said he felt the same thing for about a year. He's like, I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore. So, like, did you feel some of that? Just uh, it, it was such a buildup and then, like, trying to get motivated again? Or, like, what was that process like for you coming off of Tokyo? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a real thing that the post-Olympic blues, it, it was it was kind of at first you're riding that wave, you're riding that high. And then ultimately, I think that I had a unique situation and that I knew about coming back for the college season. And so, you know, I was chasing different oh, yeah. goals pretty much about that. right yeah. from the start. Um, and so for me, it was like most, more, more like post-college wrestling blues because – you know, I'd been doing both of those at the same time and kind of one was complementing the other for the longest time. It was like when I wasn't doing the world wrestling, I could focus on the NCAA season and they felt like two totally different paths, you know, that I'm facing, um, you know, al although they did complement each other. But once the NCAA season was over, then it was like Olympics are done NCAA, my college career is done. Now, I mean, I have this world tournament coming up, right? But Ultimately, it was like <laughs> I was riding some of the, the highest highs that you could possibly have with, you know, just the NCAA, like the, the Michigan had the, oh the Olympics, you know, winning a bronze medal. Like, you know, we were right in the thick of it for so long and I was right in the thick of it for so long that it was like almost too laid back. Like I, my mentality was almost too laid back. Like, you know, these these world this world tournament, I want to be a world champion. But, you know, it was it was hard to to kind of shift my mindset, my perception that that was just as important as the things that were happening before. Um, so you kind of had that delay. And maybe that was, like, maybe that has a like that. It's like, kind of reminds me of like, yeah. like, if you get out of a big relationship and you go back to a girlfriend right away, and then you have the delay just a little bit longer after versus like getting right. Then going to find a new girl. Like you had to do, <laughs> you had to do Tokyo. And then that amazing. And that, that Michigan season was insane. That, that's the year you wrestled Brooks at the Big Ten. You guys win the Big Tens. Nationals at Detroit. So it's almost like a yep. double whammy for you. Oh, well, I totally forgot that that was the cadence of or the timeline for all that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, <laughs> I, I think, or I don't think I had time to think, um, about it all. I, I feel like I was just going through the motions, not in a bad, bad way, but just like I didn't have time to be like, is this, <laughs> is this what I want keep doing i mean i just i just kept doing it because you know it was bigger than me at the time um and so uh you know and, I, and coming off that ncaa season obviously you know i suffered a loss to, to brooks in the finals we had you know crazy kind of back and forth the, those last few weeks um it was 
it was like, you know, I, I had to to accept that I wouldn't ever accomplish my my NCAA, you know, my college goals, um, which was kind of tough at first. But ultimately, I feel like it's just, I try to I find a way to to kind of mold those into to motivators. Um, mm-hmm. But that that was what was interesting is it was like, you know, I, I almost had to stop stop like just put that one close that chapter of the book and i think that that was part of what made the the last year so hard was like all right now i have to refocus and realize that like these goals are just as big if not bigger than the ones that i had in college you know mm-hmm. and um so that that was an important piece and i and i think that that took a lot of self-reflection but ultimately now looking back i'm like i wouldn't have changed I mean, to say you wouldn't want to go back and re-wrestle the match is crazy because right. <laughs> I think I think there's there's matches I won that I would want to go back and re-wrestle, right? Just you you see, you know, as as somebody that's just I love, you know, the sport of wrestling and love technical and just every aspect of it. It's like I watch a match and I'm like, oh, I could have made that adjustment, right? Um, so to say I didn't want to go back and wrestle any of the matches that I had lost, maybe at the NCAA tournament or any of my college matches. That would be, that would be a little crazy. I would yeah. say I would, but, but I, I think ultimately, you know, I, I'm at the point now where it's like, you know, I've let by be bygones and it's like, you know, life goes on and you, you start to realize people always tell you this, right. It's like, you know, <laughs> you kind of start to forget about your, or maybe not forget, but you get over that wrestling isn't, isn't everything. And, um, mm-hmm. especially college thing for me at this point. Like I've competed on the world stage and realized like a lot of people, you know, on the world stage don't really they they don't really pay attention to college wrestling, which is crazy. I, I would love to put them on because it's probably the most exciting, you know, tournament in the world is the NCAA tournament. But it's just funny that, you know, we consider it everything mm-hmm. when there's like this this grand stage of the the world championships, the Olympics, the you know, the continental championships. So yeah. And you're and like the Europeans, I mean, the Pan Ams is almost like, it's like almost like a JV event, right? We go, we're going to steamroll everyone. We might lose one match, period, right? When And when Cuba was great in the 2000s, different story. But now it's like, it's it's kind of a non-event. But the Europeans where you got to go, that's a bloodbath. And like that is, just from researching Satya for a, an old documentary I did, he treated the Europeans on the same level as the world. It's like that's a massive tournament for all those guys. And so... You're to me like your signature moment of this year is that semifinal win, man. 15 seconds left. You get that takedown at the Europeans, blood down your face. Like that was like that's a big momentum shift. Did you feel that? Yeah. 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 I think that that was that was kind of the, you know, the the turning point for this year for me. Um, because I that was a guy that was a tough opponent, but I knew like I can beat this guy. Like and and you know, that, that kind of got me back to my old ways, you know, I, even, even it's just like textbook, the way that it happened, right. I get kicked in the face. It's right at the end of the match score. And I, you know, I got blood dripping down my face and um, you know, that, that moment, I just felt like, this is why I do this. You know, this is why I'm wrestling. Like this moment right here is just like these moments where you never feel more alive than in that 15 to 30 seconds. But at the same time, I had no clue what was kind of happening because I didn't have had time to think I was just kind of reacting off of instinct. Um, Mm -hmm. So that moment was, yeah, that moment, although I think that it wasn't like I was wrestling at my best in that match or, you know, even at that European championship tournament, 
Um, just kind of having that little, you know, moment where I had to go get it, my back was all. And, um, you know, I, I, my, my, my family hates this, especially my mom. She'll always say like, Hey, why do you have to wait till the end to, to mm-hmm. always try to pull it off? You know, <laughs> we get you, you like being clutch, but, um, <laughs> but for me, that was like, that was a signature. Like, okay, we're back. Like, this is it right here, you know? And, um, well, the like heart I said, you just kind of reminded like- me why I love kids. Even if you weren't, I think the fact that you weren't wrestling at your best, like you had to dig it out, like the heart, the fight, man, it was just, that's like, you love to see that because yeah, when it's going well, definitely. But when it's not going well to still pull it out, um, you know, again, it was the semis, you, you made it to the finals and you wanted to win the whole thing. But just that is like, that's such a big deal to be in the finals at the Euros and then going into yeah the ranking series event and then going into the world championships. I mean, we know that the worlds before the Olympics is an absolute bloodbath. It seemed like that watching from afar, like some of the upsets were insane. I mean, what was the vibe like when you finally got to Serbia and you're around all these guys? Uh, you know, I, I think that I was not expecting, it was like a calm before the storm. You could just tell like everyone was locked in, you know, as soon as we got there. And I was pumped because this year we didn't we we actually did an acclimation camp um, in Austria. Um, so like, you know, a little bit a little bit away just from all the the chaos, the madness, the noise. Um, and we showed up to Serbia on like Thursday um, when I was competing on a Saturday. So like two days before. Mm-hmm. And it really I think it allowed for me to appreciate the environment, um, you know, just that that intensity. But also, like I said, just like the calm before storm, I. I really felt like when I got there, it was like, oh man, this is this tick, this is a ticking time bomb, right? Like everybody's ready to go. Um, you can just tell that, like, you know, there, there's a there's a level of seriousness, but also that was, I think that was that was the downfall of a lot of guys mm-hmm. is they almost took it too serious. Um, for me, you know, I got there and it was just enough time. Like I felt like I was enough to tap switch that gear. But we also just had such a good time, you know, acclimating in Austria and whatnot that I felt super loose. Um, and like you said, I mean, this was one of the craziest world championships I had seen, I think, since I've been watching um, just with all the upsets. So clearly, you know, Olympic year, you got a lot of, you know, allocation spots on the line. It's like people showed up to wrestle and some guys, you know, maybe they felt that pressure a little bit more. And that was why you know, some of these big names fell, but then also these young guys, just some of these guys just rose to the occasion. They, I think they just turned a lot of heads and <laughs> people yeah. didn't expect them to show up like they did. So who were you in the so just uh, craziness. acclimation camp in Austria with? Um, we had basically the whole Cliff Keen wrestling club there. Um, so there was like, um, well, I guess all the Cliff Keen wrestling club guys that were competing. So, mm-hmm. um, my brother Malik was there, um, Austin Gomez was there. Um, Alex Daringer was there as my training partner. Um, and then Matt Feinsilver was there. His brothers, actually, the NYC RTC, those guys, um, most of those guys joined us, the ones that weren't competing for the U.S. Um, and then we actually, I forgot, uh, Roman Bravo Young, RBY, was there with um, with Austin. So oh, we, nice. we had we had a very diverse, you know, Dude, that's like a crew. we had six, seven colleges represented. I mean, and then the Austrian guys who, who are great dudes. Um, there's like four guys that competed at the worlds for Austria. So they were, they were there as well. Um, okay. and they had been hosted. We hosted them in June of this year. So that was how we made the connection. Um, they came to to Michigan for a couple of weeks, two weeks to, to train with us, just great dudes. So we, we brought them, uh, 
or, you know, we kind of brought them in and then they returned the favor. Nice. Um, and we had such a good time there. So, wow. And plus, I mean, for us, it's kind of commonplace to see Sergey, but I know overseas, like people see Sergey, it's like a little crazy for them. They still get excited about it. Like you're rolling in with that. Yeah. Team, it's a different story. Yeah. He, he was very happy that we were doing acclimation camp in Austria, I think, because, you know, he had a week in Serbia. He, he, he stayed there for its full week. Um, and so, you know, by the time he likes to stay locked in, right. And just only wants to coach, but there's people that, you know, are constantly <laughs> trying to get lunch, dinner, like even, even if it's not fans, it's just old friends and stuff like that. So he knows, uh, you know, about he's just too nice of a guy to say no, I think. Mm-hmm. So ultimately he was like super happy that it was, that it was just this kind of reserved calm environment where, you know, we could kind of control a lot of the, you know, variables. Well, I think I told you maybe th- we did have a podcast pretty recently after that Europeans because I was working on the Cejudo thing. And when Cejudo was at the Junior Worlds in 06, Sergey was the coach and Team USA was staying at like a kind of like an equivalent of like a Marriott. And the the hotel guy's like, I can't let Sergey stay in a three-star hotel. It, he had to stay at a hotel across town, like a really nice one. Yeah, He's I like, remember you telling me the yeah, story. The guy's like, I wouldn't be able to go home with myself if I let Sergey stay at a three-star hotel. It's like, that's the kind of guy we're talking about, folks. Like, even still, like people, and I, you know, I've never been to your worlds, but I can only imagine when you go to something like that. And I'm sure it's the same with our American champions as well, right? Like like Kevin Jackson, John Smith, they're probably getting pulled around, but we're talking Sergey here. Like that's, that's got to give you a little confidence going into a big dog event like that, you know, rolling in with someone like Sergey and obviously all the coaches. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, that was a big part of my comp where my confidence came from is just, you know, uh, beforehand. And I, I think part of the tough thing with managing RTCs is like, um, is trying to figure out the dynamic of, balancing the college season with still while still meeting the the RTC guys needs mm-hmm. you know during those five months um and that's something that we're just continuing to figure out as a club um but ultimately I think all clubs deal with it in a sense right it's just it's very important because RTCs were originally made to you know complement the college team in a Definitely. sense right I mean to build around your you that's why they're built at the university and you know, it's partly a recruiting tool. It's partly, you know, just to, to keep your best guys around um, after they graduate. And so, uh, you know, a big part of it was, you know, I was looking at, you know, the, that that kind of slump that I was going through. And it was hard to, you know, obviously, and then Sergey, even Sergey was dealing with getting a lot of guys ready for U.S. tournaments and for, you know, the, that that cycle that was coming up in, in April and whatnot. Um, so part of uh kind of the the coaches is is just being on the right page um you know we have so many great coaches at michigan we have you know five total coaches on staff um and so it's like making sure that everybody you know can like can align and and we have the right training schedule was it was a big part of it and i think that that was just a communication thing that you know coming in um that that once i once i communicated my needs it was like you know, I knew that I had all the resources around me. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of confidence when you're walking in with, you know, we went to the worlds. It was Sean Bormat, Kevin Jackson, Sergey Belagazov, Josh Torella, 
And it's Let's like, you go. know, I, I trust all, all those guys. Come on. That's, <laughs> right? I mean, excited, you got a, man. A, a couple Olympic champions. You have, you know, multiple time NCAA All-Americans, Big Ten champs, like world champion. Like there's just so many accolades to that, you know, between those those guys. And so it was like, you know, and then and then Debo, I got to give him a shout out. Dave Boyard was holding down the fort at home. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> nothing, I love no, it. no, nothing went up in flames while, you know, basically the whole coaching staff was gone. So shout out to Debo too. Um, it's like man he and, was uh, a, so, he was the head coach for a long time right before eastern dropped their program yeah. so like you got yep. a real i mean all the coaches at michigan could be head coaches and probably you know maybe not josh but a lot of been head coaches so it's like and he obviously could so it's like that's just it's such an incredible environment at at uh at michigan that it's just like it's got to be so, so exciting to train in that environment but at the same time when you're going through that slump the thing that kept coming to mind for me was it sounds lonely, right? Anytime an individual athlete's going through a slump, coaches are not, it's lonely, right? Like you get on the plane right home, you get back to, you know, after the Bill Farrell, for example, you get on the plane right home, it's two days after, it's a dreary Tuesday in, in December. It's like, there's some, there's some low points there and some real like soul searching that has to go on. And so do you think a lot of that was, you just weren't going as hard in the trainings and that that was infecting your mentality or you were just, it was more mental than it was physical if you had to say? And for any young wrestlers kind of who are maybe listening going through that too. Yeah, I think, um, I think it was a little bit of both. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think it can't be understated that like wrestling is so mental. Um, and so if you go, you go to training every day and, you know, you could be working your butt off. Um, I, I feel like for me, that was never, it was never a major issue was, was the, the ethic. Um, I think Mm -hmm. that if you tell me to run through a brick wall, I will. (laughs) Um, but it was just me believing in that, you know, what we were doing. And so, and nobody can really do that besides yourself. You know, you can have the best, like you look at our club and it was like, we have, you know, some incredible coaches. Um, but, but ultimately maybe I was getting too analytical, which I think can happen, Mm. um, can happen to a lot of wrestlers, right. It's just like, you have to trust the process and and that you're doing the right things. And there's always time to reflect. Like right now, this is a reflection period for me. I think mm-hmm. uh, um, now that I have some time before I compete again, you have to be willing to, and this is, you know, advice that if you can start this as a youth wrestler or a high school wrestler, it's, it's such an added bonus. And I think it can take you so far as just being willing to reflect and like basically break down like what's going wrong, right. And what's going wrong, you know, the pros and cons. Um, and so I've, I've been, you know, brought or picked up the habit of journaling a lot and, you know, trying to write down even, you know, break down a lot of the different areas of my wrestling so that, you know, when it comes down to it, I have something to look back on and be like, okay, like there was 10 good things that happened at the world's right. But there was these two bad things that had happened, whether it was a mentality thing or just a technical adjustment that, that I didn't make. So, you know, just, I, I think it's being very, again, I go back to the word intentional um, about, about your training process. And and then once you're, you know, once you're, you know, you're around the right people, it's like, you just buy, you have to buy in. There has to be some buy-in to where you can't come to practice every single day and be wondering like, am I going to get better today? Right. It's just like, I, I know that I, if I, you know, if I continue to, to keep working, keep working hard, and that my mind's in the right place, I'm enjoying it because ultimately at the end of the day, if you look at some of the most successful programs in the country right now, 
there is like they play games. They, you mm-hmm. know, there's there's a lot of smiles on their face when you when you when you see their, you know, their camera crew coming through in the wrestling room, right? And so like it's just it's a beautiful mixture that comes together. I think, you know, both from the work ethic, like when you have a really good work ethic and you're, you know, you're willing to, you know, push boundaries, push yourself to to places where people aren't willing to go mentally you know, that, that alone will build it, but then it's just like sharpening your, your mind skills every day to whether it's working with, you know, a, a performance psychologist or, you know, somebody who you really trust, like a coach to, to say, Hey, I want to just keep sharpening my mental game. Like, you know, wh- do you have any ideas? And then the last one, like I said, is like not taking it all too seriously. It's like, <laughs> Such a good at the point. end of the day, you know, yeah. wrestling is just this yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's the problem that we all make is like, we think if we take it more serious, um, you know, then, then we're going to get better results. And it's like, it kind of actually works counterintuitively. Um, and just to share like a big thing that I, I had a sticky note on my wall that said that had this saying, and it said, you can be relaxed and dedicated just because you worry more. doesn't mean you care more. Amen to that, man. That's and so that was like a big, <laughs> I need to, yeah, uh... I, can, I can repeat it again. Cause I think it's it... go ahead. Yeah. Cause I think it's just worth, you know, repeating is like, I just kept telling myself, you can be relaxed and dedicated just because you worry more. doesn't mean you care more because I've, I'm, I myself, I'm just like an overthinker, you know, and I, I'm somebody that I, I definitely care a lot, but <laughs> sometimes I mistake worrying for caring. Right. And it's like, you know, you just build up all this pressure, all this, it's like anxious anxiety. And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, you just, like I said, it's, it's all about like, it's, that serious <laughs> it's just a wrestling match and and the crazy thing is is if if you can have that mentality it's probably going to take you a lot further than like oh i have to win like if i if i don't win my life's over right like oh people are gonna think completely different of me it's like yeah. i think that's just that's outdated you know that maybe it was an old mentality and you know that was like a toughness thing back in the day but ultimately if you're working your butt off and you you're like like I said, you're, you're doing the right things. Like you should just go into it. Like, Hey, I'm going to like, just, just have some fun shoulders loose. Right. <laughs> and, and go out there and compete and just do it. Cause I love doing it. Well, it's, that's cool. it's just, it's such an important lesson because certainly in wrestling, we like to take ourselves very seriously. And in, uh, even, even like myself, right. I'm kind of like, you sound kind of remind me of myself. Uh, I'm in sales, right? And I'm always overthinking things. I'm worried a lot. My brother Tanner's 13 months younger. He just fucking wings it. Like even as a wrestler, like he'd go out there, just smash people. Even if he hasn't been training, right? He still had the confidence. So there's some people who have that naturally. Then there's others that have to cultivate that. And I'm definitely one of those people. It's more in your camp where I can definitely take things too seriously. And I was listening. I was just in Oregon for the last week. So our fiscal year ends in September. So the first week of Oregon or the first week of October, I always take off. So my wife and I were in Oregon and we do a lot of driving. I'm not working. So a lot of thoughts come in. Right. And I found this podcast yep. by the, the Oregon head coach, Dan Lanning. Yeah. Have you heard about this oh, guy at great. all? Dude. I, he, I, I just watched that video of him with uh, going into the Colorado game and I became an immediate. <laughs> that's what got me onto him. Cause I, I'm obsessed <laughs> with coach prime. But then I saw that video and I'm like, all right, what's this Dan Laning guy? Bro, he's 36 years old. He started as an NAI player, no ties to D1. He he basically had like six jobs in 10 years. And I listened to a podcast and he said every job he went to was a chance to reinvent himself. And like driving to the next job, like one was like, 
He was a GA at Pitt. Then he becomes a GA at ASU. And he's driving to, to Tucson or to Tempe. And he's like thinking about all the things he can do better, thinking about all the things he's, you know, can improve at. So I, I just like that mentality. It's like every, it could be every tournament, every new job, like that's a chance to reinvent yourself. And like, basically by the time he's 35, he becomes the head coach of Oregon and now they're just dominating. So he's someone I've yeah. just gone down a rabbit hole on, but it reminds me a lot of what you're saying with that kind of reflection and, and kind of seeing where you're at. Yeah. And I think the more you, you're willing to do self-reflection, the more you'll realize that it's not that serious. Like right. <laughs> back to my original point is like, you know, a lot of it is like all these external pressures are what put, you know, all this stress on us and like make us feel like it's a do or die. Then ultimately, you you, you know, when you self-reflect, you realize like, you know, a lot of the things I, I value are in, internal, you know, a lot of the things that or I, at least that I should value are internal. They're within me and only I can, you know, really affect the or like have a chance to affect. And like you said, it's really important to continue to try to reinvent invent yourself. I think that that needs to be more normalized. It's like, you know, we just, we want, and especially when you become to like my age, I'm 26 and, you know, it's like, you're supposed to have the set path and you're, you follow this trajectory. And then, you know, that's after that, it's like, there's no more growth, right? Like yeah, I'm just going to become this, whatever <laughs> life. And it's like, you know, I, I totally disagree with that. I think, you know, even if you're, you're 35, 40 years old, it's like, you should have a chance to, you know, reinvent yourself and you're going to be that much better for it because all that self-reflection just makes you, you know, that much more aware of, of, you know, who you are and who you can become. And a lot of humans, you know, are not, I'll just say wrestlers, right. They, they don't realize their potential and like how far they can actually take it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's the beauty of it is like, I look at my story and it was like, you know, until my junior year in high school, I really wasn't even on many division one colleges radar, Um, maybe because of my last name, but as far as my accolades, like didn't really place at any national tournaments. I was third in the state state of Michigan, Um, you know, halfway Mm -hmm. through this, my junior season, I'm not even ranked. I think I'm ranked, you know, third or fourth, like going into the state tournament. So it was like, you know, there, like I said, there's always those little moments, like those key moments where you can, you kind of get a chance to reinvent yourself. And, and so it's important to kind of continue to like, <laughs> just, you know, to, to reflect and do that. Yeah. I think it's just having a growth mindset is big on that, right? Like it's either fixed or growth. Absolutely. Mindset. And so you're going into a, actually the thing I was going to ask you is, so we can't forget about Mason Paris. So Mason Paris, what a tournament he had. And all, I mean, you guys may have known much sooner. Um, and I'm curious, like, what was the, like, was he training all summer as if he was the world team member? Um, and like what coaches from Michigan went with him to like the team USA acclimation camp? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think inside scoop was like Mason had found out in July, um, you know, after coming off of his, uh, his ranking tournament win um, that like, Hey, there's, there's some potential that you might wrestle at the worlds or there, there's a good chance. Um, I think at the time they even told him like 50, 50, but they were like, just stay ready. Like, you know, this could, you know, this could blow up like, or not blow up, but it could become like the ball might be in your court very soon. And so, um, you know, Mason, yeah, he did. He just, you know, it was great because he basically had a training cycle for that ranking tournament and then he was told that and then he was able to just keep training right through july and august and um you know he got the news sometime 
sometime in August, late August. And uh, yeah, he was training like he was going to go. So, you know, it was kind of that like stay ready so you don't have to get ready approach. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, he crushed it. And so that was pretty cool. Josh Torella, that was kind of what happened is like once they found out, we were like, (laughs) well, we got got to just keep sending more coaches. Hopefully like, you know, we're we're running on uh, thin air here because, you know, we, we have 30 something college guys that need to. (laughs) <laughs> they're, they're just starting off school, right? Like not 10 freshmen or like, think like, you know, mm-hmm. large amount of freshmen coming in, right. You got like welcome week and all this crazy stuff coming up. And <laughs> it's just like, usually the most, you know, like, I feel like the most chaos happens the first month of school, right? Just oh, because definitely. You know, it's, it's fresh. Everybody's back. There's a lot of partying, a lot of crazy stuff going on. That's why I had to give a shout out to Dave is because like <laughs> he dealt with all that while we were all overseas, you know, having fun, competing at the worlds, you know. And so, um, yeah, you know, Josh there's always like one or two Mason guys that and, like uh, show up and you're like, you, they, you thought maybe they could handle D1 and they can't. And it's like they don't want to do the training or they're <laughs> yeah. partying and they may drag a few dudes down with them. You know, it's like, yeah, you never know. Yeah, luckily, I think, uh, like I said, I, I don't think there was any major fires to put out. I think, uh, you know, that's part of the the beauty of uh, culture is like we've built a culture where, you know, we just we've tried to recruit guys that, you know, are, are serious about wrestling and 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 just, you know, maybe not even serious about wrestling, but just don't, you know, they come to school for the right reasons. And, right. You know, they don't cause too many headaches for the coaches. And so. So it was cool. I mean, and, and to. So Chirella went with uh, Mason. Yep. Okay. Yep. And so, so, so Josh went with Mason and uh, we had, and actually KJ came over late. So KJ was just met us in Serbia. We had Sean and Sergey and my dad, actually, my, my dad is uh it's funny. He's like the liaison for San Marino, you know, big Mike. Yeah. He, uh, he was, <laughs> he, he was uh, basically, you know, I don't know if he's a coach or a wrestler because him and Sergey, they had some goes like they were, they, they, he was, <laughs> he thought he could still, he, he was back training days because him and Sergey were doing some parterre and some takedowns. <laughs> I mean, he was living it up. There. Man. Um, so it was great having him too. I mean, it's, it was a family affair and I, I've grown to just love that aspect, right. That I can, it's like so cool to me that, you know, I got my brother, you know, coming alongside me, my dad is basically, you know, a coach, you know, we, we've got, gotten him credentialed as a coach for San Marino and, you know, all those little things, they add up for sure. Just, you know, to kind of keep me calm, collected and just loose. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Bro, your dad might be the next prime minister for all we know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we, we will try to work on it. We need to get him a citizenship first because um, yeah, I mean, it's my, my mom's side of the family is San Rene's. Oh, it's your mom's like, side. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's my mom's side. So my dad is, he's, um, he was born in Lebanon. My dad was born in Lebanon. So he's, he actually, oh, he doesn't have Lebanese citizenship anymore though. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. That, you know, he, that's actually the wrestling side of my family comes from him. And my grandfather, I think I've said this before, was an Olympian from Lebanon back in the day in wrestling. So what I, okay. So I do remember your grandfather being, a. Uh... Bro, I actually got choked up this morning. I was looking at your Instagram, the picture of you on the bronze medal at Tokyo, and you said in the post that you felt your grandfather in the podium with you. I'm like, man, I, that hit me hard. So that was your dad's dad. And so your dad was actually born in Lebanon. Like, that's one of the most turbulent places yeah. of, like, you know, you look at the 80s and the Civil War there. Is that why they left? 
Yep. Yeah. Ultimately, you know, my, my grandfather, he had a great life in Lebanon and, um, you know, he could just sense something that I think he, he knew he wanted to, you know, he, he my dad is one of 10, uh, <laughs> one of Whoa. 10. So he has 10, nine siblings. Um, so I, they I think he knew, you know, just, uh, there, I have my aunts and uncles mostly live in the area, um, in Dearborn, Michigan. Um, but then I have, you know, an aunt out, uh, out East, uh, but they're all Rhode here Island, in the U.S. So basically, we got they're all in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, they're all in the U.S. I mean, what ended up happening is my grandfather, you know, and my grandmother, they they picked up and they knew like, you know, we might have to start from nothing, but it it's a safer bet than what could happen here um, ultimately. And so they they picked up and kind of did that and moved to to actually start in Florida. My dad's family started in Florida and uh, and then ended up in Michigan. So wow, pretty cool. cool you look story. at what's that's such a very interesting part of the world, especially what's going on right now in Gaza. It's like, man, our, our hearts go out to yeah, both yeah, everyone, man. It's just crazy. And like Lebanon was at the thick of that in the uh, in the seventies and eighties, you know, with Israel and all that. So wow, I I forgot that that's where they were from. Um, so your yeah, mom's side, yeah, it's, okay. It's yeah, but my mom's side, my 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 great grandfather came over from from San, you know. Um, and then he would go back and forth, um, you know, spending my, my grandpa spent a lot of time in San Marino, um, okay. you know, my mom's dad. And so they, they, they had a tile business. That was actually why my, my mom's side of the family came over is because San Marino is like, even still to this day, they have uh, Del Conco, which is like, my mom is a Mularoni. Uh, that's like her maiden name, the Mularoni family. Um, they, they run the tile business over, <laughs> over in San Marino. I mean, it's okay. like massive industry yeah so like her cousins um you know they they have a very um you know prominent tile business that has locations in the u.s and like tennessee um and all over the place so my grandfather and my uncles they still you know they're in the tile business and that was ultimately why a lot of sam renee's actually immigrated to detroit area was to to kind of start up this um, you know, in the, the, the masonry kind mm-hmm. of construction tile, like that industry. Dang. I think it was the poured wall, the poured wall. Uh, is that like, what is that kind of poured wall? Yeah. I don't know. So whatever it is, that was like patented by San Rene's people. Like they, they, they were the, some of the first to kind of bring that to the United States and to the, the, that industry. So, man, you guys are an international family, lesson, man. You know, yeah. No, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I really do. So that's, so it would be your mom's side. Okay. Um, man, well that's, it's like every time I see you at a world tournament or like even a, a ranking series tournament, it's like, you got the whole crew there. I'm like, that's so cool that everyone, it's like a real family affair. Cause a lot of like freestyle wrestling in the past, it was always kind of a lonely endeavor, right? Like compared to the NCAAs yeah. where people are going and watching it can you know, it especially in like like I said, two thousands up until this recent heyday we've been in, not a lot of people are even really paying attention to some of those senior level tournaments unless you're really in the weeds. So to be able to go with your family, your coaches, your dad, that's got to be a big boost. Yeah, I mean it was, it was amazing. My my sister and my brother in law, her husband came over too. I mean, and the last time she said. Anything- she had come to a tournament was like she's my good luck charm because she came to the the 2019 world championships when i qualified too um yeah so did you not medal at that she you came said this over. is your first medal i thought you medaled before yeah i, t- I took fifth no fifth. i took okay. fifth so Got i qualified it. because yeah they they allocated six spots so as soon as i won in the quarterfinals i was qualified um, Got and it. i Got lost it. in russian in the medal match 
But um, what happened to that guy? I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was interesting that they sent that, uh, you know, the other guy. I, I watched the Russian Nationals, so I saw he looked like there was something wrong because, I mean, the, the guy that had beat him, like, beat up on him in the semifinals, and then this guy who represented them beat that guy. So it wasn't even like he didn't lose in the finals. He lost, like, you know, in the semis to the guy who took second. So uh, interesting. I mean, who knows what the, the, the whole Russians, uh, you know, AIN or whatever it is, is a totally, yeah. <laughs> I think we could probably discuss that for an hour alone. Well, the morale must have so, been all time low for those guys going in. Like, they don't even know if they're going to wrestle. Like, imagine what, how that would play mind games with you. And um, it, yeah, obviously they had one of their worst tournaments ever. You know, the Sitikov, I mean, unbelievable what he did, but. Let's get into 86 a little bit. So the first couple rounds, you're, you're rolling, you tech Mexico, you beat China, then you get your hands on the great Yazdani. What did, what did he feel like, man? What was your thoughts on, on getting that match? Was that your first time wrestling him? Second, I wrestled him at the 2019 World Championships, and he kind of mauled me. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I, that was probably when I felt like there was levels to that. You know, that was my first year on the world stage. Um, and you know, I, I was think 21, 22 years old and, uh, just wow. wasn't ready for that, that kind of pressure a couple years back, right? Like four years ago. Um, but going into this one, you know, I, I think that I had, was much more confident and I mean, I had intentions to win that match. Like, you know, I completely, you know, mm-hmm. was completely confident that I could, I could come out and win. Um, that was, that was the goal. I mean, looking at the ranking tournament, um, you know, I, 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 I think it was the semifinals where I knew that if I win this match in the semis, I'm going to be on the same side as Yazdani or Taylor. I didn't, or in the same quarterfinal as them, mm-hmm. because at the time at the ranking tournament, Yazdani and Taylor were in the same quarterfinal bracket. And so wow. it was like, a lot of people were laughing because, or not even laughing, but just kind of like happy about it was that I split the two up because I jumped in between them and, and then, you know, kind of took over Taylor's spot in that four five mm-hmm. um, zone to wrestle as Donnie in the quarterfinals. So, I mean, I knew go even in the ranking tournament, I was like, you know, I'm just not someone who would ever forfeit a match to, to try to, you know, avoid somebody. Fuck no. And Hell so I, no. I, I wanted Right. That's like insane. winning the ranking tournament yeah. when I, you know, so, I mean, I, I won that ranking tournament and I was like, all right, like is Donnie in the quarters? Like that's, you know, obviously there's going to be some good guys that could potentially be drawn in, but you know, this is the one that I've, I've been waiting for. Like, you know, I'm in it for the glory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want, I want, you know, if I, if I just beat the guys that I've already beaten, there's, there's really, to me, there's, there's no, you know, like there's nothing ad. I mean, it's noble, but the, the if you're, I like to shoot for the moon. Right. So I'm mm-hmm. like, give me the heavy hitters. Right. I want the heavy hitters. Um, and so I went into that match and I think ultimately there was just one, like there was an adjustment that I didn't make um, that al- allowed for him to, to push me out just one too many times. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I, I was right there in the fight, you know, just throwing hard collar ties back and forth, but um, I was expecting underhooks and he didn't underhook me. I don't think he underhooked me once that match. Um, which is, you know, if you go back and watch, you'd be completely surprised to see, but I mean, he didn't throw one underhook. And so that was totally, um, you know, where I think there was a little bit of a fault in my, my strategy and my game plan was, you know, he was doing a lot of heavy snapping and just like, um, kind of forcing me to the edge. And I was expecting to play this kind of like underhook, 
you know, I was ready. I had a game plan for a different strategy that he, like I thought that he was going to, you know, throw out at me. Um, and he changed the script, but I mean, if you look <laughs> at the match, yeah, he changed the script and which is, you know, um, you know, that's, that's, that's what happens at this level, right? It's just like, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, you don't, you go out there and you, you have a game plan, but you have to be willing to make adjustments accordingly. And, um, you know, I, I think I made those adjustments, but it was a little too late. Like I, I, by the, towards the end of the match, I started feeling like more confident in my game plan, but you know, by then, like I said, it was, you know, I, I think I gave up a passivity point in like three, three or three pushouts. But when you look at it, it was one takedown to one takedown. You know, I took right. him down once. He took me down once. So and to get know, a that take was the win in the match. Was like, and to leave the match with some momentum like that, that's big, right? I mean, that's uh, that's yeah, everything, yeah. right? Yeah, I think it is. That was, you know. I mean, outside of winning it, Looking at confidence-wise. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, I hold myself to a pretty high standard. So just to get that takedown was, was like I said, grateful but not satisfied. Back to that saying was like, you know, I was, I, you got to look at the wins because if you only look at the losses, it's going to be a lot like, you know, tougher, longer road mentally. So, you know, that was definitely a win, but now it was like, I became even before wrestling the next day, like knowing, okay, there's a qualification spot on the line. There's a world medal on the line. I was like, my mind just started racing. Like, you know, how, what adjustments can I make in that match? Like, you know, I wrote a ton of stuff down and it's just something that, you know, I've, I've kind of learned to, to realize is like, you have to love that aspect of it is like the technical, like strategic side of it is like, okay, if I, I lost a match, I got to figure out why. And that, that was a big part of what I was doing right after that match. I was talking to the coaches. I was talking to the, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, myself saying like, all right, mentally, like, what was I, what was going through my head and ultimately like, what, like, how did I give up those pushouts? And so that, that was, a, that was something that I think was a great takeaway. It was like, I, I feel like, you know, this, there was just one, one step closer to, to, um, you know, kind of figuring this all out. It's like, you just got to keep making those adjustments and ultimately it's always the wrestling match is going to be, you know, there's, there's variables you can't control, so that is something that you can control. And that's where I, I find a lot of like, so, or like peace in that is yeah. that like, <laughs> it's, keep it's working awesome. at it, right. Keep chipping it away. Good things will happen. Well, you left that match so motivated. It so, sounds like it's like on to the next one. And and then you got, you got the two huge matches and the, uh, in the repechage and I can pronounce it. Wrestlebacks basically. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's repechage. Yeah. Repechage. So the first one, you kind of roll through the guy. And then what about the the bronze medal match? What did you know about him going in? Did you wrestle him before? No. Um, I, I I never wrestled him before, and I think I'd only seen, like, one of his matches before. Um, he's just in that Asian circuit, and so, like, there just wasn't a lot of chances to see him. Um, so you guys, like, I, at I the hotel was, watching film, you know, like, had... Sean and, and Sergey, are they doing that and then telling you what you need to know? Like, how does that work in that kind of a short window before such a big match? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't watching film, but I was just curious, like, okay, just give me a, just at least – a couple things that I just need to be aware of because I think he had tech fall, you know, he, he beats him like his side, the top side of the bracket was not easy. And he beats him like, you know, he ran through some pretty good wrestlers. Like the guy from Japan, he, I think he tech falled him in the match before. Wow. And so I was like, you know, uh, I like, I was just curious, like, okay, like if he has, if he's good on top or something like that, or if he has like some unique takedown, like I can make that adjustment adjustment pretty quick. 
Um, but if it's like something strategy wise, right. Like, or even if it's something strategy wise, like if it's a quick adjustment I can make, I always want to know it, but it's like, if I have to change my style for it, like, don't even tell me. Cause I, mm-hmm. I don't want to have to change, you know, who I am. I think ultimately that's a really important part of what has made me successful is that like, I'm an offensive wrestler. I want to go out there, get my hands on you and get to scoring positions. And the more I can do that, the more likely it is that I'm going to win. And going into that match, I knew like this guy is, um, you know, he's a, he's a Russian guy. I think, I don't know if he's from Dagestan or, but he's from that, you know, kind of caucus region somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know like, okay, he's probably, he's probably going to want to slow the match down, right. Low, low me to sleep a little bit and like strike, you know, strike kind of like low, 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 and then strike heavy. So a big part of going into that match was just like, keep the pace high the entire time. And, um, you know, and I, and I, I feel like when I keep the pace high, my positioning actually gets better. Um, if I, even if I make a mistake, like letting someone in, I'm good enough at scrambling that I can find my way out of it a lot of time, or at the very least, like, I'm going to make you work really hard, get back up and come right back at you to where like when I'm the, when the score, I looked at the world championships this year versus the previous year. Um, and like the amount of points that I scored in almost every match was like double, you know, double or triple, like eight to 10 points, I think is what I was scoring at this world championships um, per match. And so usually that is when I feel like I, I win those matches. Yeah. Um, so That's strategy, it's coming like, through that pace. it's important pace, conditioning, just mad awareness, like in situational awareness of like, you know, when I get into certain scrambles, I just, I feel like that's one of the things that, you know, I consider one of my strengths is like, I kind of can figure it out a lot of the time, um, just from a lot of playing those positions and, and, you know, technically being sound in there. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's really what it came down to. And even after the match, I like, I told, I, I remember the, the key point in the bronze medal match, and this was cool, was like, I I I was going at him the whole time. Um, I think I took like ten shots in that match, and some of them like I, I the mistake I made was I just got a little too lazy and a little bit too worried about like a chest lock or a roll through, and so we stalemated and then we had to come back up. But like the last thirty seconds, I took a pretty good shot. I end up um in like a a chest lock position. I'm in on like a high crotch, and um I'm thinking to myself like if I get up right here, it's going to be like, I'm going to be winning by a point with 30 seconds left and anything can happen. Like, you know, I feel like I've seen way too many matches where like a ref calls a caution in one, or, you know, it's just like, you know, that that's not the best position to be in. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's almost like in the guy's favor, who's losing by one. And so I'm like, if I let him roll me through right here, <laughs> it sounds crazy, but I'm like, if I let him roll me through, he's going to be winning, but I think I'm going to be in like a, a leg half position to where like I roll through or he rolls me through. I can like basically shuffle his leg up under and over, get him in a leg half and like score some exposure points. And so I kind of just let the position out. I let him roll me through. He gets two. he's winning by one, but then exactly what happens. Like I have his leg in my hand and I'm like, if I can pull this through right now, the match is over. Like, this is all that I need to do. And I kind of had like, I, I kind of had that like moment of clarity just for like a few seconds and I get it, pull it through two exposures and they challenge and I'm like, all right, I know I exposed him twice. And so, and then, you know, I end up winning eight to four, eight to five, um, you know, and, and it was just really kind of a cool moment to like be able to like, it was almost like time had slowed down for a second to be like, 
this is what this is what wrestling's all about right here. It's just like this <laughs> being able to like see through positions and like you know, kind of that scrambling is right, like thinking two, yeah. three moves ahead. So that that was a cool moment that you know I I look back on and I'm like, you know that that that's what makes the sport fun is like you get put yeah. in moments like that. Well, the fact that you like you said you're seeing things happen, moves in advance like that, and to take that risk to to be confident enough to go through with it is a is a whole other thing entirely, right? So it's like, man, that's that's exciting, and I'm just so pumped for for Paris, man. It's going to be a lot of fun, and what. I want to talk about Gomez, but real quick, what's, what are next tournaments for you? Are you going to compete before Europeans or will that be your first one back? Um, It's kind of TBD for sure. We'll be competing at Europeans. Um, You know, I think the, the Europeans is like, <laughs> I, I just, I love the European championships and it's also going to be for the Olympics um, ranking points. So um, that'll be a great tournament. Uh, definitely. We'll be going to that. Um, as far as before that, haven't even, you know, I've kind of just been taking these last few weeks to decompress, do some cross training mm-hmm. um, and then figure out our schedule. So we're like in the midst of figuring out the schedule, but you'll for sure see me at Europeans. Um, Love it. And then that, that, yeah. Paris is early. Like the worlds are late, but like I think wrestling at Paris is like mid-August, early August. Um, yep. Actually, my my whole family looked at going and it's like absolutely insanity prices hotels and like the way they bonkers. space out the tournament yeah it's bonkers. Oh, it's, like i feel like they could we wrestled 10 weight classes at the ncaa's in three days it's like they really space this shit out like it's crazy yeah. you know what yeah, i mean the olympics is like yeah it's, it's a slow tournament like i think like i realized that in 2021 was like it felt like the ncaa's were like if you just keep like you even if, well, even if you don't win, if you get pulled back into repishage, it's like, then you got to wait till the next day and you wrestle like one match the next day. And then you wrestle or one in the morning, one in the evening. Yeah. Like it's just very slow. <laughs> and do you have a hard pull or are you not cutting too bad for this? Um, I'm somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I'm in a really good spot. I feel like where I, where my weight and stuff is at right now. So like each I, night, I can't, I can't complain. That's good. Cause like you guys got to make scratch two days in a row, right? Yeah, yeah, we do. So it's what was 18, the... 189 is, is a good good weight class for me. What was it's it for you that spot. night? Under 10 or more than 10? The day uh, one. At the World Championships? Yeah. Uh no, yeah, under 10. Under 10. Oh, that's good. I, I do I, I worked, you know, I worked with, with some some people, you know, that like as far as like strength conditioning, nutrition, that they make sure that I'm in a good spot, you know. So I feel strong, but I don't have to cut you know, a ridiculous amount of weight. Cause like, just, I mean, I mean, you guys are big guys, but just hydrating and all that, you could easily put on five, six, you know, throughout a day easy, but you're also competing. So you're bringing that down. Um, Two things I wanted to ask you, obviously let's hit on Gomez. Cause this is big. I mean, I'm a, I'm an Illinois guy. I love Chicagoans. Austin Gomez. When he was coming up, there's the hype around him. I can only rival to like a Jimmy Kennedy, like back in my day, like he was just, he was killing people and, you know, had a great run at Iowa state, even better at Wisconsin. And now we're looking at 149 this year. He could definitely be the top guy. And I think he will be the number one ranked guy going into 149. How long has he been in Ann Arbor? And what, what are your thoughts on him joining the join in the blue this year? Oh, I mean, uh, so he came to Ann Arbor had to be, uh, like I wanted to say April, but I think it was actually may. I think he came after, after the European championships. Um, I could be wrong. I'm bad with timelines, but 
it feels like he's been here for a year already because he came to <laughs> Ann Arbor. And I mean, like I, I even hosting him on a visit, um, you know, he kind of he came and bounced around some of the RTC guys. So I got to spend some time with him on his visit. And I was like, dude, you will. Like, I'm not even going to recruit you. But like, if you don't see that you belong here, like, <laughs> like I don't know uh, wh- how you're gonna see it. And so he, I mean, I think pretty quickly he knew that Ann Arbor was the place he wanted to be. I, I'm speaking for him here, but, uh, you know, he he just fits in really well. I think you know our culture, we can tell when guys you know like come in and they they belong here. And he was one of those guys. Um, so it's been great having him here. He's been here, like I said, I think four to five months. Could be like a little more than that. Um. But yeah, it is funny because like even at the Worlds, I was talking to Austin and he was like, you know, a big part of big implication was like he obviously wants to, you know, qualify and wrestle in the Olympics and has these world and Olympic goals. And so he, um, you know, I think he knew that, you know, the world championships would have been a great opportunity to qualify. Ultimately, that didn't happen. And so I was I I talked to him and he was like, well, (laughs) looks like, you know, I'm I'm, uh, you know, it's going to be like, it's going to be that much harder for me to come back for the college season. And I was like, rightfully so, you know, you want to focus on, um, you know, your, your qualification for, you know, the Pan Ams and, and you guys are all, you guys got to all be thinking about it all summer, right? You're like, Hey, we could use a 149. You're one of the best 149s. (laughs) And it's like, we pressured him a little bit. I think ultimately I was like, you know what, Austin, like, I know what it's like to go through seven years of college. I think that that was where I had the unique perspective as I was like, I loved it, but I understand if you don't want to do it because mm-hmm. like, it's a lot. Right. And, and ultimately it has to be done in the right way. Otherwise, even that last season is going to go be terrible. If you, I think if he tries to like, if he tried to wrestle an entire season, 30 something matches, that would just, no you way. know, that wouldn't make sense, but not, but nobody's or not nobody that is that age is doing that anymore. Right. They're very strategically wrestling when you're fifth. And and that's going to be something that probably you'll see even more this season now with like all these COVID guys becoming fifth, six years is like, you have to almost pick and choose when you want to compete. Um, you know, and that, that's the big thing is like, you, you want to limit your matches to the big ones and maybe a few, you know, kind of warm up or just, you know, lighter, lighter matches where, you know, you can get some reps in and whatnot because trying to go through that grind seven times or, you know, five times right through seven seasons is it's a, it's a toll on your body. So he, but ultimately it's funny because I did say to him like, well, just, you know, well, you know, don't, don't, don't never say never. Right. Because you just never know with, um, with Sean and the coaches, these guys, you know, <laughs> they uh, can sell anything to anyone, man. Like he, I was going to say water to a well, right? Water to a well. I mean, he got, he got me, he was a big reason why I was at Michigan. So, and then I, I just laughed because, you know, like last week, or was it this, it was late last week was kind of when it announced. And, uh, and so I pumped, I, I was messing with Austin. I sent him like the back to school, Billy Madison meme. Uh, <laughs> well, let's just hope I that. Like, yeah, he... I was just going to say like all this big 10 season is going to be insane. And, and, we're hearing that maybe Ferrari might even come back this year, maybe next year, you know, who knows. Right. But yeah, we all get so excited to these coaches and to these wrestlers, please compete in the big dual meets, man. We got like five dual meets and I know it's all, it's all in injuries and it's, I get it right. You got to do what you got to do. It's all about March, but 
we got Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan, Iowa, Michigan, Penn State. I texted Sean. I'm like, man, that Michigan, Penn State, look out. And so I tweeted that I'm rolling into that duel 200 and means deep, man. You guys got, I want to go in right in the middle of everyone because it's yeah. that's going to be a hostile environment. And like, man, you look at the five transfers, like it's awesome what Sean's doing. And, you know, he's uh, he's the pride of Illinois, man. I know you, he's like a Michigan guy to you guys, but man, what the, the whole staff is just incredible. And I can't wait for this exciting season and Gomez being back. God, that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's it put some it put the cherry on the top for this season. I think you know we stay healthy. That dual meet's going to be like so fun, just for this, and it's going to be great for the sport of wrestling, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think people have you know they have opinions about the transfers and whatnot, but it's like ultimately, like moments like that are where you're going to be like, <laughs> at least as a fan, you're going to be like, I'm kind of happy, right? That oh yeah, this whole nil thing came about and this transfer rule came about because you literally have like an all-star match, you know, and not even just the Michigan Penn state. I mean, there's five, like I, I saw your five dual meets and I was just like, dude, these are all going to be star studded. Like insane. You know? Yeah. And that doesn't even include <laughs> like, like NC state, Virginia tech. That's always a banger. Big 12 is getting really deep right now. Yeah. So it's like, there's going to be, and hopefully, you know, the wrestling and everyone wrestles, but like, it's going to be an awesome season after this year though. The last two years has been an exodus with the COVID guys, but like after this year, it's going to be a whole new rebirth of guys. So I'm I'm equally as excited for that, but this year is going to be one last banger of just some of these names that have been around for forever. You know, it's crazy. The grown men amongst the boys. <laughs> and what about, man, one of my favorite, one of my favorite guys is your cousin, bro. The assassin Cam Amin. I mean, that guy goes out head yeah. hunting in March. How many years he got left? He's got th this year and Years, so two more years, in, including this season. Man, love Cam watching that dude. That's his nickname. That's his name, the butcher. He's the butcher. He seems scary. The butcher. Bro. He's he's all business out there. Yeah. And that's your. Uh, he he finds yeah. That's not your brother. That's your cousin, right? He's my cousin. I mean, I that's basically right. like him. Him and Jordan. Yeah, his older brother. Like they're like extended brothers. We're like the you know four brothers because really we. We grew up in the same neighborhood, even uh, my uncle lived in Brighton too, uh, okay. my hometown. So, I mean, we basically spent our entire childhood growing up together. So Cam, Cam and his older brother, Jordan are like brothers to me. Well, it's just, it's just good that you so guys are wrestling. Cool. So you guys don't have to be cold calling all the life insurance people in Michigan for your dad's business. Cause otherwise it'd just be a bunch of wrestlers <laughs> on the phones all day, man. Like that's uh, I'm sure there's a little <laughs> bit of that too, but man. Good point. Yeah. A little bit of both. I was an intern there. I will. I I'll admit yeah. it. I had a great time though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I was well, man, cold calling. So it's going to be, uh, I just, I get excited talking about this wrestling stuff and the season's coming up here. It's like, it just, when I get to October, it's like, all right, it's business time now, right? Like season's starting back up. Practice is going. We're in the thick of college football. I guess it's just a fun time. Is it this week or next week? It's the first official day of practice. Uh, it's this week. It's this week. I think okay. the middle of this week. I think it's the middle of this week. Yeah. Okay. Nice. I want to, I want to give a shout out too before we end to, uh, to my, my boy, Stevan Michich, world champ. Bro. He's, he's the one, he's the one we left out, you know, world championships. I was we just had, saying, uh, let's talk about him a little bit. World bronze. That Stevan, run yeah, I mean, is absolutely yeah. insane, bro. Insane run. Are you now, is he, yeah, is he incredible. going with you guys to all this stuff or is he kind of doing his own thing? Like the like he's, the he's actually in Chicago camp. right now. 
Yeah, he was no, he I mean, the fact that it was in Serbia too, um, he he's obviously, you know, that's kind of his home territory. So he had his all of his own stuff aligned. Um, you know, he's done a really good job of building. He he built the Chicago Galaxy Wrestling Club. Um, him and his dad. His dad is, you know, kind of been the the man behind the madness. I keep telling him that he he doesn't want to take the credit, but I'm like, you know, what you've been able to do with in the last two years. Like Stevan has has had some incredible results, and him, him and his dad have a really unique relationship where they make it work. And so. Yeah. Um, they're, they're also like the, the club that they're building can be like a one kind thing that I don't know if any RTC is doing right now, which is like trying to build an international club, you know, with a home base in the United States where guys are coming from all over the country to, um, or all over the world. Sorry, not just <laughs> mostly all over the world, right. Like right. To, to come train in the United States. And well, so I see videos of him. Cool. Those guys going to like so, Japan for weeks at a time. It's like, man, they're, they're doing something very unique. And you know, you you got to be impressed and what an incredible run. And, and just, again, the heart he wrestles with that, the beginning of that Ogoyev match, the first period you're watching it and you're like, it's going to be hard for to see a way where he wins this. And then boom, he makes it happen. And then the next two rounds, he really kind of confidence from that match had to really kick in. Cause he Turned really started rolling. Yeah. After that, it was like, yeah. Wow. And like, man, if, if you're going out with Stevan Michik in Serbia right now, you're probably gonna have a pretty good time. Cause he's, Bro, he's got the baby face. People love him over there, man. That's got to be so fun. <laughs> I did. Hey, I took advantage of that. The night he won the world title, I'm like, what are you doing tonight? I want to Seriously, dude. <laughs> man, now he, uh, that's, uh, man, it just, look at that. I mean, you got Penn State, you got Michigan. I mean, there's really, Cornell's right in there, but like, bro, Michigan, the amount of medalists, it's just incredible, the ecosystem you guys have going right now. And you're doing it a unique way, and I love how you guys are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, the beauty of it, right. Is that we're kind of doing it in a very, like, you know, blazing our own trail here. Um, and, you know, two world medalists, a world champ, three world medalists, including a world champ, having seven guys from our club competing there, five alumni is like, you know, it's, it's gotta be at least recognized that like, you know, we're building something special here and it's Amen. just another, like, you know, like tribute to, uh, you know, the, the leadership at Michigan, I think, has kind of come a long way since, you know, I, when I got there, it's like, you know, we, we, we took the torch from McFarlane and, you know, he, what he built. And then, you know, it's just like, we've, we've kept trying to just keep putting Michigan as, you know, on the map is trying to be that, that, that program, the program. Right. So hundred percent been real cool. It's been real cool. And I, I wouldn't want to have it any other way. Remind me, when was your first semester on campus, your true freshman fall? When was that 17 or 16? 15 <laughs> no yeah oh. 15 15 i'm the, an old man i'm i'm father time at michigan that's what man, i call myself the growth <laughs> in the program and I, I mean even for yourself it's like from then to now it's just it's next level i mean it's really impressive to see that and yeah a lot of guys laid that foundation but you guys really carried it forward so and it's it's just awesome to uh, to watch it happen and awesome to have you on the podcast. Consider this my application to be Sam Marino's press man for for Paris, baby. But yeah. I don't know who I gotta who I gotta talk to, but I'm in for that, dude. Anything <laughs> I can do, I'm gonna fly to Sam Marino, whatever I I'll I'll go into tile business, anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty competitive application process right now, you know. A lot of yeah. a lot of people. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I told you, hey, we're, we're gonna work something out, dude. I'm gonna call your pops. I'm gonna call you. You gotta talk to. Gonna... You gotta talk to the the. Yeah, he's he's the manager. I, my dad. That's that's his official role that I've basically given him at this point. Is he's like the manager. Well, I just of, picked up. Uh, I just picked up Securian as an as an account, so maybe we can work something going on there. That's a uh, okay, yeah yeah. Because they're they're a clearinghouse for Securian, right? Securian Financial. Uh, I, I think so. Don't don't quote me. I've I've like purposely just that internship that was a long time off. ago <laughs> yeah it was a long yeah it was a very long time ago five years so Man. that was my senior year of college five years ago you know <laughs> that's crazy man my first senior year that's what that's what somebody said what was that your first second or third senior year <laughs> man well i know you got family in chicago man so if you're around here let me know it'd be good to grab a meal and do wish you luck this fall and can't For wait sure. to see what's next brother Thank you, Ryan. It's always a pleasure, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. This episode was brought to you by The Wrestling Consultant, a business owned by Teague Moore to help parents and wrestlers find the right college for their future. Go to the wrestlingconsultant.com to learn more.